Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Mr. Huxley Barbie, who is a security evangelist at Run Zero. Huxley um, has previously worked for companies as, such as Cisco, SparkPost, and Datadog. Um, Huxley has spent over 20 years as a software engineer and security consultant. He went to his first DEF CON in 1999, and he holds both the CISSP and the CISM certific certifications. Um, in 2016, he founded a consulting practice at Cisco, providing security automation and orchestration to Fortune 500 customers. Um, currently, he, as I mentioned, he's a security evangelist at Run Zero, and that's what we're going to be talking with Huxley about, about how Run Zero helps companies build a kind of comprehensive knowledge of their network asset inventory, um, and then some of the best practices related to incident detection and response. Before we do that, though, let's welcome Huxley. Huxley, how are you today? Doing very well. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Great. And um, I, I was looking at your notes here. It looks like you're in New York someplace. Correct. I, I'm in New York City. And awesome. And how are things in New York City? I mean, are they back to normal? Whatever for the most part. For <laughs> for the most part, yeah. You, the people are out and about and and living life um, for the most part as, as much as they can be uh, what it was. Yeah, because you guys got hit pretty hard, and I think um, obviously there was, you know, a, a very, um, I guess, swift reaction, and and then then lockdown. And I, I just wonder if there's any kind of shell shock. I'm in Seattle, um, and we never went to full lockdown. Um, you know, it was all kind of modified, and and I, we were kind of ground zero for the you know original you know outbreak, but but which was at a nursing home, but in that we had well one we, we don't have the population density of new york city right so i just just by default we're probably it's probably more difficult out here but um the the after effects i mean things now are pretty much back to normal i mean maybe a few more people wear masks than before but other than that i don't see it yeah there there was a time when people thought that this was the end of new york city like people actually thought that like that's it this is done the whole thing's just shutting down and you know they would they would corroborate that the hypothesis by pointing to all the folks that are moving out of the city and so on and so forth. But you know it uh, the the city is alive and strong and and uh, as strong as it ever has been. Well, that's that's good to hear. Hey, in terms of your work, are you um, are you out and about to industry events now? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was at RSA this year as well as Black Hat and DefCon, of course. And, and what were your thoughts? Was it like, because um, I've gone to a couple of industry events and, and people are just like, yeah, it's so good to be back, man. And um, it, there was probably a little bit over over excitement, over socialization, you know, uh, a lot of festivities and things like that. Um, is, is that what you were seeing as well? Definitely a lot of sentiments around, oh, man, it's been so long and I miss people and shaking hands and and having you know up close conversations and, and things of that nature and certainly certainly you know you hear, hear the after effects you know many folks came back from rsa with with COVID and so on and so forth i did not knock on wood 
but certainly people were very happy to be back and yeah. and interacting with other human beings uh, beyond their their immediate family yeah i, I totally saw, saw the same thing i just uh, came back from uh, it was about uh, 10 days in europe and then two industry events here and the last one was in las vegas and and i and i thought you know with all the jet lag the the, the the business networking the you know all the different uh, seminars and where you're you're in a room with you know a couple hundred other people and there's no way I'm getting out of this without COVID and um, I actually yeah like four days after I left Las Vegas woke up and I was like uh oh and uh, got it but I you know I mean I think the the strain that's going around around right now especially if you've been vaccinated I mean to me it seemed pretty mild I was um, I I just started eating super healthy and no drinking for six days and it felt amazing man <laughs> so, who knows man hey um let me ask you so so you know you have a long uh well i say long, a, a relatively long um you know career in in cybersecurity. you know you've been doing this for over 20 years uh and you you hold a couple different really important uh industry credentials you've worked for a variety of firms why is network asset discovery important and what you know what role does that play in the whole kind of uh, you know security posture yeah you know it's it's actually a really old problem i remember about 20 years ago when i first ran satan it's a it's a very old network discovery tool but i i used it to scan my network to see what's what's on there and the unfortunate reality is Asset inventory is still an unsolved problem for so many organizations. They, they might have some tooling around asset inventory, but usually organizations end up having a spreadsheet either on top of that tooling or in a, in a, uh, instead of that tooling. And it was only it was only um, a couple of years ago or a year ago where I came upon RunZero by accident, completely by accident. And I, I realized that they actually had a solution to this problem and it is it is absolutely foundational right uh, answering your question here is absolutely foundational you cannot you cannot actually launch a credible cybersecurity defense without good asset inventory you, know, you might have all this other tooling that tells you about all the various um, anomalous behaviors that might be on your network or uh, whether or not you know these malwares are are present on on um in, in parts of your network but without an actual comprehensive asset inventory it is all for naught right uh because it is what you don't know right well people like to say the unknown unknowns that, that really gets you into trouble uh, that really blows a hole in your cybersecurity defense yeah i mean i i've been on consulting uh, projects and typically <clears throat> the first thing that um that you want to do is is do some type of network scan to understand what you have um and you know and and and, and not just for security reasons oftentimes there's like a, you know the, the total cost of ownership benefits from understanding you know what you have and maybe looking at alternative ways of configuring um you know what you're running but let's let's go back to you know i mean can you explain some of the things that you've helped organizations uncover by running um this type of scan yeah, so uh, I'll give you one anonymous example from from the work that we've done, and then we could talk about a more uh, more public example that that everybody knows about. So the 
the example that's closer to us was a, a medical production company that was breached and they were doing some very important pharmaceutical production in 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 recent times and law enforcement got involved because because they had to and a primary recommendation from law enforcement was that this company needed to have a comprehensive comprehensive asset inventory right a more public example that we're all all familiar with is equifax from from a few years ago right in that case in that case the primary reason why they were popped is simply because they did not have a good asset inventory they were sort of aware that some of their machines did not have or did have a version of of apache struts that was vulnerable but the asset inventory wasn't in a consistent state such that they had the proper ownership assigned to those assets. So even though they circulated an email to out to a bunch of folks within within Equifax, the they didn't have the right ownership assigned to those assets. So the people who needed to know who were in a position to be able to patch those assets were not made aware. Right. So that's that's one really key important thing about asset inventory is not just knowing about, hey, you know, these are your assets, but you also need to know you know, who, who's the owner of that asset, whether that be the IT owner or the business owner, or even like the person, the, the user that's last logged into it, right? These are types of things that you need to have as part of your asset inventory. And then the asset inventory is not just like, again, not just the thing itself, right? But also some of the many other attributes along with it. So another reason why Equifax was, was not able to detect a problem when they should have was the fact that they had a detection tool that did not operate optimally when a when they were scanning for web services that had expired certificates right so you know whether or not a service on an asset has an up to date certificate or whether or not the the t- certificate has expired is an important part of asset inventory. And so this speaks to the, the depth that you need in your asset inventory to mount a, a good cybersecurity defense. So it's not just like knowing about the thing itself and being able to identify it properly, but also who's the owner of that asset? What is the function of that asset within my organization? You know, What are some of these other attributes that might indicate that asset is, is risky asset and and uh, and finally you know where where does this asset sit in the network you know is the network segmented and so on and so forth so i want to come back to that in a second and talk about some sure. best practices related to the follow-up because you know obviously you can get a, a list of all your assets but it's just a list until you create an action plan to to kind of you know try to work to improve it or protect it but um, earlier in your first example, the anonymized example, you mentioned law enforcement yes. um, that they got involved. Uh, can you explain? I mean, did law enforcement, some law enforcement agency, require this company to run an asset scan? Is that what you were saying? So no, in this case, it was recommended. However, okay. I don't know if you've been following, but I think just last week or maybe the week before, CISA released a, a binding operational directive that requires 
all um, federal agencies to take action around asset inventory. Uh, specifically, uh, all agencies are required to perform automated asset discovery every seven days. Uh, that covers their entire IPv4 space. They also need to be able to run an asset, asset discovery scan within 72 hours uh, of, of rec being requested, so on-demand scan as well. And not only is it about asset discovery scans, but you also need, be, need to be able to do vulnerability enumeration as well. Uh, obviously, this only applies to federal agencies, but there are many private organizations that follow CISA's uh, CSIS guidelines, so we might see more and more of that. But um, yeah, in the in the anonymized example, no law enforcement law enforcement did not require it; it was just recommended. Although uh, we're seeing more and more that there are organizations that are going to be required to perform good asset asset discovery. Have you have you basis. seen have you seen any interaction with cyber insurance? companies in terms of offering preferential rates or just you know using it as a qualification qualifying kind of uh, activity of running um, some type of network scan so for example here's our rate but if you follow these best practices of running you know running a scan every seven days um, and being able to run one on a 72-hour notice these kind of things if you can do that then we'll offer you a pre preferential rate have you seen anything like that yet yes it's okay to say no okay no no so, answer is yes but I, I i can't comment on like specific numbers about rates and how much reduction of rates mm -hmm. um but we have seen some some cyber cybersecurity insurers Mm -hmm. who have required the insured to have a certain percentage of coverage by security controls, right? So for example, the insurer might say to the insured or potentially potential insured, hey, uh, in order for you to qualify for uh, this insurance or qualify for this rate for insurance, you need to have your, your, um, your digital assets 95% covered by CrowdStrike or Sentinel One or Carbon Black or or, or one of the the endpoint detection and remediation solutions, the ability to certify to that cybersecurity insurer that you are X percentage covered requires asset inventory, right? You can't say that oh 95% of my assets are covered by EDR if you don't know what the assets are or right, how many exactly. assets you have <laughs> you need to know yeah. what 100% is before right. you can say 95% is covered and uh, i i don't know if it's you know that is a, a minimum requirement in order to qualify for the insurance in the first place or if you get lower premiums or something like that because because you have that coverage it, it's one or the other but yes we've definitely seen this um in in the in the marketplace well, and it's just, I think the important thing there is that it is on the radar and it is becoming kind of um, something that is discussed and sometimes required. Uh, there is, I've seen cyber policies that um, offer, you know, uh, preferential rates if certain, you know, um, tests have been done prior to um, to engaging the policy. So, I, and I think that's becoming increasingly common. Let me ask you, let's go back to the, the, um, the, the former thread there where, okay, you run the scan and you're like, oh, okay, so here we are at Equifax and we recognize that um, some of these devices need to be patched. Uh, okay, we'll send out an email. How does, um, you know, Run Zero's 
or some other tools in the market, uh, how do you do? Does your platform or your tool enable the follow-up? Yeah. So there's there's a number of ways that these types of tools, asset discovery tools, can help out. Right. Uh, obviously, knowing these assets, what they are in the first place, is uh, table stakes. Right. You you actually have to have that. Um. And that's actually not an easy problem to solve, first and foremost. Right? Oftentimes, you have asset discovery solutions that only find part of your asset inventory. Well, actually, let me just stop you right there because I, I've heard that from multiple people that I've spoke to on Secure Talk and in um, out on consulting uh, engagements. That yeah, you know, how do we know that you're actually getting an accurate scan? You know, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna show us stuff, and you're gonna show us stuff that we don't know or we didn't know was there. Um, you know, credentials of, of of employees who have left the firm for three years, and that's pretty important stuff. But how do we really know that this is an accurate scan? So, I mean, how can anybody prove that? Yeah. So th there's actually a number of different approaches to asset discovery. There are some vendors who use agents which of course really only tells you about the stuff that you already know about right if you because if you could put in an agent on if you can install an agent on an asset that means you already know about it that's already a managed asset very similarly there are asset discovery solutions that use authenticated scans right you, this is very popular with itsm solutions or vulnerability management solutions where they will try to log into as many devices as possible but the thing is, if you already know the credentials for that asset, then you already manage it. You already manage it. So it's already something that you know about. Uh, there are, uh, there's another approach which uses a passive network monitor. So essentially you would uh, span from a switch or you would uh, install a tap somewhere, somewhere within your network. And then you just sort of listen for traffic to see what's out there. This approach is, uh, is able to find those unmanaged assets but only if those assets are talking and only if you are able to to span from every single switch or you know from from all the uh, distribution switches where you can have like basically choke points on the network so that that's one way of doing but again you know because you're only listening for traffic you cannot actually interrogate those assets which makes the fingerprinting of those assets a little bit specious uh, you can't always guarantee that you're correctly identifying them, uh, the asset as what it is. Uh, there are other vendors out there who, uh, instead of using these tools, um, using these other approaches, that what they'll do is they'll ingest asset inventory information from a whole host of other solutions within your IT and security stack. But of course, if it's unmanaged, completely unknown, it's part of the unknown unknowns on your network, then it's going to be missed because... Uh, these API ingest solutions, they only they are only as good as the data sources that they pull from. So there's one one final solution or approach to this problem, which is unauthenticated scans, uh, where you essentially just you just go out and you scan the network, and you do not require credentials. You rely on the information that's being leaked from these assets to identify them uh, correctly. And so this this avoids the problem of only knowing about the assets that you already manage, right? Because it's an unauthenticated scan. It can go anywhere on the network. 
And unlike the passive network monitor, you're not simply relying on information that's being already being passed on the network. You can actually go and interrogate those assets to figure out what they are. Um, some folks have used tools like Nmap for unauthenticated scans, which of course is uh, a very popular tool and really good for what it does, but it's not necessarily uh, suitable for, for enterprises that are looking to streamline their asset inventory. Um, but, you know, Run Zero is an example of this unauthenticated scan solution where you can go out and you can go and discover everything, whether they be managed or unmanaged, whether they be IT or OT in the cloud or, or work from home. Okay, it makes a lot of sense. And thank you for that. That's a pretty comprehensive overview of the different options out there. So um, you, 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 you run this unauthenticated scan um, and and then what? Well, so then, so then um, the this is where the fingerprinting comes in, right? Not all fingerprinting is 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 the same. And uh, what you want to be able to do, right? Even though the, you don't have any credentials, you can still get a lot of information from from these assets. So this is what we call a security research based approach, right? Uh, it's it's basically the idea of taking a look at your network, taking a look at your assets from the perspective of the attacker, right? Uh, little known fact, right? Uh, the attacker, the adversary also does asset inventory, right? They always do asset discovery as a first step. In, in, and, and, and what scan tools do they use? <laughs> right, so, I mean, and, and of course they don't say asset discovery, they call it recon, right? Uh, but they do use tools like Nmap and so on and so forth because they wanna try and um not raise any alerts right they don't want to trip any wires as they're going around the network and taking a look right and so they have a whole host of tools that they use um and they are leveraging leaked information from those assets in order to make a determination as to what's on the network so they can go figure out what's the next target um and and very similarly right uh what we do also also leverages that sort of leaked information, security research-based approach uh, to figure out what are all the assets that are on the network and identify which ones might be risky. So once you have your, your asset inventory and you're able to correctly fingerprint everything that you have, which is already, you know, if you're, if you're at this point, you are already doing better than most other organizations because this is already a very hard problem or hard, um, a hard problem. Uh, position to be at, right? To have a full asset inventory that's uh, properly fingerprinted. And then once you have that, you can start doing really interesting things. Now, of course, this isn't just gonna be with um, information from unauthenticated scans, but through integrations with other tools within your environment, you can start doing things like taking a look at your security coverage gaps, right? Where do I not have my EDR? Where is my vuln uh, vuln scanning solution not scanning? Uh, you can also do things like help out with contextualization or prioritization of vulnerabilities. So you can say, hey, you know, what what is the function of this asset, and where does it live on my network? Oh, is this a mission critical asset for my organization? And for some reason, it is it is publicly facing. It's on the internet. Coupling that type of um, locational information along with details about that particular asset, coupling that with your vuln scanning uh, data, right? So you could say, hey, 
there's this asset here that has a high or critical vulnerability and it's mission critical to my organization and it's publicly facing on the internet. You know, this allows you to, to triage your vulnerabilities more quickly, right? So that's another thing that you can do. Uh, one other thing that you could do is identifying risky assets, not because they have vulnerabilities, but because of other reasons, you know, identifying assets that are already end of life, no, no longer being supported by the vendor, identifying assets that uh, have certificates that have already expired and so on and so forth. Uh, and oftentimes, people who go out and look for really good asset dis discovery solutions are really looking for that next step beyond asset inventory is you know looking for those uh, security coverage gaps looking for identifying risky assets and so on and so forth so walk me through because it, it's, it's interesting I, you know like i can see that um you generate some type of report or output from the um the the asset discovery scan and, and then you're, you know, you're you're using your your uh, EDR tools and your bone scans to kind of uh, kind of figure out and try to prioritize. But just just walk me through, with, based upon your experience, how the prioritization conversation goes with the security response team, and and in terms of like if it's just if it's just you, it's you know infinitely more simple than if you have a team and you, you know so is there is there like a recommended framework for teams or the teams can use to decide hey this is the priority and and and, and this is how we're going to number you know these other 30 issues and and, and place them in the um the to-do list how, how does that work yeah so the 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 present state for most organizations is they have so many high and critical vulnerabilities that they don't even know where to start right so you know, just to provide analogy right let's say i have a house right and the door is open that that's a vulnerability right and obviously i want to close the door so i can you know, essentially patch but what if i have ten thousand houses all with open doors which which doors are am i going to close first there has to be some sort of triage. There has to be some sort of prioritization to to go out there and you know close the most important doors first, right? Uh, there are numerous vendors out there. There's there's a whole space of um, in the marketplace for all these sort of vendors that are working on prioritization of, of vulnerabilities. Uh, many of them will uh, look at things like. Um, you know whether or not malware exists for that vulnerability. Does a does an ex exploit exist out there that can be downloaded by a script kitty um, and things of that nature? But I think also really key to that prioritization is understanding the function of that asset. Is this asset important to patient health? Is this asset important to um, you know the financial transactions that support my my company, right? Also, whether or not this particular asset is more accessible to the adversary. Obviously, if it's listening on the internet, then it's definitely more accessible to the adversary. I mean, we could talk about later later on if you know the the adversary were to, were to get a foothold, can they move laterally throughout the organization, right? So there's there's also a segmentation. Uh, question here, but you know, right off the bat, if this asset is on the listening on the internet, then right there, there's a problem. 
So uh, I, I don't know if that there's a prescribed framework that every single organization uses, but there does seem to be, um, you know, the usual suspects in terms of what companies look at as a starting point to to prioritize vulnerabilities. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe maybe it's organization by organization that they would have some type of framework or pri prioritization heuristic or something. Um, but I, I do like the analogy of the the doors, um, and you got to shut the door. But what if you got ten thousand houses or doors that you need? To, how do you prioritize that? And then it really depends on where the door's at and what's behind the door. <laughs> so right, like exactly. You, said, right? you know, if you've got if you've got uh, you know patient critical infrastructure you know you probably want to you probably want to get that taken care of real quick otherwise you have people right coming so, out so with to follow on with to follow <laughs> on with analogy right what if uh, what if this door is the door the door to a bank versus the door to an empty warehouse obviously the bank is more important what if this door is for a house that's in a sketchy neighborhood versus a good neighborhood well, obviously it's going to be higher risk in the sketchy neighborhood so you know this is this is how you know one way how you can use asset inventory to help uh, prioritize your vulnerabilities. Well, I like it. Cool. Hey, so um, let me ask you this. Okay, um, first off, I, I one more question on you know uh, asset discovery. How long if 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 an organization is looking at um, utilizing a new tool, how long does it take to deploy the tool, and what and and what are the biggest concerns you have or you excuse me your customers or prospects uh, have prior to deployment you know what are they asking you right so how long it takes to get started depends it goes back to the solution approaches that i mentioned earlier so if you are using an agent-based approach then it's going to take a little bit longer to get started because you have to provision the agents out to you know all the all the assets, well, all the assets that you know about at, at least. Uh, passive network monitor. Here, what you need to do is set up reconfigure switches in order to send information into your passive network monitor. These passive network monitors tend to be appliances, right? So oftentimes it's hardware that you have to install and that takes time. Reconfiguring the, the switches also takes time. And then you have to wait and collect information before you can have anything interesting to say from that data. The API ingest approach also takes time, not necessarily because of technical reasons, but for you know people reasons. It usually bringing in that data requires just, uh, collaboration with other groups within the organization in order to start bringing data from another security tool or bring data from another IT tool. And usually that requires some conversation, buy-in from various stakeholders and so on and so forth. So it, it could potentially end up taking, you know, taking weeks just to have those conversations. The unauthenticated scan approach is actually very, very, very simple because uh, whether it's Nmap or it's Run Zero or, 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 or Mass Scan, you simply just install the tool on a particular host and then you could just start scanning right away. Right. Uh, with with Run Zero in particular, uh, we we have customers or you know people who are just trying us out, who you know get it all installed within 15 minutes, and then within an hour or two they they have um, an asset inventory that they can start digging through. But is there like kind of a minimum 
time period that you say that you would advise um, your customers to let the scan run to make sure that they have a you know a more or less accurate picture? Like for so, example, I, I've heard two days, and I've heard I've heard different numbers from different co companies. Right, right. So uh, that type of question is most applicable to a passive network monitor, right? Because they they can only wait for information to come. You know, they they have to wait until um, all the assets have spoken, so to speak, on the network. The the chattier the the assets are, the more information that you'll have in less time. But if you're on a network where the assets are not very chatty at all, then you're gonna have to wait even longer. With most of these other solutions, it really depends on how quickly the solution can go out and scan. So, um, Voln scanners are notorious for taking quite some time in order to go through the network for good reason, of course. They're they're not just doing acid discovery, but they're also doing Voln checks. So, you know, for that reason, it takes them, you know, maybe a, a week or even longer to to scan the network. Uh, whereas with a dedicated asset inventory tool, um, you 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 can actually do this much much faster. Um, the other question you're asking is, what are some of the questions that that customers ask when they're when they're looking at um, these solutions? What one one question that comes to us uh, frequently is the um, comes up with customers that have OT assets. OT assets are often mission critical, right? They they run the business, and there have been some really bad experiences in the past. And like I said, this 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 problem goes back at least twenty years, right? Uh, there have been some really some really bad uh, experience in the past with active scanners that have crashed uh, critical assets, uh, OT assets. Simply because many of these OT assets are uh, built on top of real old platforms, right? Some of them are 20 or 30 years old. They, some of them might be running on Windows XP. And the second reason might be would be that the code that's written on those OT assets are written for a very specific usage, right? They are expecting somebody to press a button. Pressing that button will then send a signal to the asset, and the asset does something with it. They don't the code was never QA'd or um, tested uh, against a different usage pattern. You know, unlike Microsoft Word, where like it's been tested by millions and millions and millions of people all over the world, these OT assets were only tested in a single way. And so with an active scanner, uh, in the past, there have been cases where the active scanner ends up crashing the, the, the machine because the code was written a certain way and is running on an older platform. So that question comes up uh, often. Um, but of course, you know, in, in the case of Run Zero, we've we we handle this by making sure that our scanner is um, kind <laughs> to these OT assets, if you will. Uh, we're we're not doing aggressive scanning techniques that might might crash those assets. That uh, makes makes a lot of sense. It's something I haven't heard before, actually. So, um, thanks for that. Um, okay, last couple questions here. <clears throat> you are an you're talking with a CISO who's relatively new to their job and you want to give them two pieces of advice uh, just to, you know what, you, you, you know, you, here's what you, this is going to be critical for your performance on this job. What are you, what are you going to advise them? So one thing is you should call out asset inventory as a specific line item in your new budget. 
oftentimes people wrap up asset discovery within vulnerability management or within ITSM or, or, or something else, right? But the fact of the matter is, asset discovery in and of itself is so foundational to your, your organization, to your cybersecurity defense, that you should call it out as a specific line item and you should go to the board and argue for that uh, as a specific budget item. Fact of the matter is, adversaries, they do recon as a first step. They're doing asset discovery as a first step. So your defense needs to match and do asset discovery as a, as a first step. The second thing is, and I, I think most CISOs already know this, but it bears repeating. Good asset discovery, good asset inventory is a pivotal step that allows you to take your security program from being reactive to proactive. And this is not something that, that, that I'm making up. This is, this is a, essentially a, a verbatim quote from one of, uh, one of our customers who told us that having a good asset discovery, good asset inventory is what allowed them to go from always reacting in their security investigations because you know they didn't even know they had that thing and it, it got owned or you know it would appear that uh you know the attack vector came from this this other organization this other subnet that we didn't even know about right by doing that sort of asset inventory asset discovery you're able to now become more proactive you can say aha here's a subnet that I didn't even know about. Let me go out and figure out what's on there. Oh, here are all these assets that don't have any security controls on them. Let me go make sure I got CrowdStrike or, or Carbon Black installed on them. Things of that nature. Asset discovery allows you to become proactive about your security programs. So that's number two. Awesome. I think that's some, some great advice. And um, <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let me just, uh, for the last question, kind of totally change it up. Because I, I noticed in, in the show notes in your profile that, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that you spend your time trying to keep up with your children. Um, and I have, uh, I have three boys myself, and so I can totally relate to that. Um, but I also want to ask in terms of, you know, we've been talking about organizational, and that's, that's what you guys do. You help, you help organizations with their network asset discovery. In terms of just you know cuz the 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 other people cuz we're all we're all professionals and are in you know we do our day jobs but we're also you know consumers and individuals and we have houses that we want to protect what are some um you know a couple best practices or pieces of advice you'd give for parents out there that want to keep their homes secure on the cyber side right so i don't have any i have many cameras in my house but the ones that are on the network only point out. The 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 cameras are on the inside of the house, like the the baby monitors and things like that. Those are no Wi-Fi whatsoever. I do not want to risk any chance that anybody might be able to move in and start looking inside the house. Um, so so that that's one thing. The other thing uh, that uh, it came to came to light recently is uh, burglars have started using Wi-Fi jammers. So if you do have cameras on the inside of the house, it's it's so much better if it's not wireless, if it's if it's plugged in, if it's wired and it has its own um, SD card or whatever whatever internal storage that's uh, that's um, in in the device itself rather than rather than recording into the cloud. because apparently burglars these days, 
have Wi-Fi jammers, and when they come in and in enter in, into your house, they'll they'll jam it so that these cameras uh, are basically not communicating anymore, right? So if you're going to have cameras on the inside of the house, at least have one of them, at least the one that's pointing at at your at your jewelry or what what have you, <laughs> at least have that you know plugged in, hidden of course, right? Because you wouldn't right. want a burglar just take the camera, but have it hidden, have it plugged in, wired, and make sure it has its own storage, because if it requires anything on the network, there's uh, burglars potentially can just obfuscate that or, or or jam that with with some device. Well, I, and I don't know if that's a New York thing, and you guys are just way ahead of the curve, or um, or if it's just that I'm out of the loop. But that's something because I mean, typically we think about um, our, our devices and apps at home as you know, potential vulnerabilities, uh, just, you know, vectors of attack. Um, but I haven't, that's the first time I've heard that, uh, you know what, they're actually just going to, you know, use a Wi-Fi jammer to shut down the camera so you can't this, upload. This, yeah, so this came, this came directly from the police department, my, my local precinct. Wow. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> so hey, uh, I, I, that's uh, actually some, some I, I love it when I can learn something or just create a little bit of additional awareness. So thank you for that. That was awesome. Um, if, if anybody wants to find out more information about you, communicate with you, or find out about um, Run Zero, where, where should they go? What should they do? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn. My name is Huxley Barbie. I'm the only Huxley Barbie you're ever going to meet. And... I encourage everybody to go and don't download Run Zero. You don't need a credit card even. Just go to the website runzero.com, and there's a there's a, a limited time uh, edition that allows you to try out every single feature in, in Run Zero. And then there's also a second edition, the starter edition, which is free forever. Uh, it has limited features, but you can you can actually use it to scan your house to you know see if you actually know everything about all the assets in your in your house. Whether those be cameras, doorbells, your Wi-Fi enabled uh, washing machine, and and so on and so forth. Awesome! Thanks so much, Huxley. Hey, it was great talking with you, and I hope you have a great remainder to 2022. You as well, Mark. Thank you very much. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.